Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season three of the THP Strength Podcast, where you learn everything about how to jump higher and get healthy and other stuff like that. Today, we have a special guest. Uh, he is the CFO at THP Strength, Austin Burke. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Austin Burke8. Uh, and he is a pretty, pretty good athlete. Jumps really high, one foot jumper, two foot jumper however you want it. And we're basically going to ask him about his training history. It's going to be a Q&A format. Let's find out who Austin Burke is, what he did to jump higher. Uh, yeah, should be a good one. Yeah, so I guess the first thing is, Austin, give us your life updates over the last year since you were last on a podcast. Where have you lived? What are you doing? What is your your role in the business? Tell us about your life. Um, when was the last podcast we did? It was like it was during quarantine, I think, right? Los Altos house. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, so I'm back in Florida. I'm on something which I call monk mode, which means no alcohol, no women, only healthy foods and a lot of reading. And that's pretty much it. Uh, uh just been focusing on training, a lot of ball handling drills, a lot of stuff like that. Um what was the full question? I totally forgot already. But your role in the business. Oh, the role, um I mean, I handle a lot of the stuff with sales, consultations, uh, sign up, different things with sign ups, different things with new members. Um, pretty much anywhere you guys need me, like I guess is the the way to put it. Uh, I kind of just I flow. He's um, awesome, buddy. So I guess getting into what you said earlier about monk mode, you know, in terms of improving your diet, changing, you know, alcohol consumption, removing any distractions, what sort of how, how important would you say that is in terms of your overall progression over the last year? Like, let's say that you had left everything the same versus changing all of those variables. You know, how much of an impact did that have on your performance and kind of how you're, how you're jumping now? Um, I would definitely say diet was huge um, for me. Um, not just diet, but cutting out alcohol as well. Uh, just because it, the way you eat, what you drink affects everything. Um, the way I was eating... I always was tired. I didn't feel too good. And the way I was drinking, I wasn't actually sleeping. Uh, so once I got cut out those, you know, unhealthy variables, I started sleeping well, had more energy throughout the day to do those extra things, like do those ball handling drills or stretch when I needed to, or do like the extra ISOs without it feeling like the end of the world. Um, it definitely was extremely beneficial for me. And being a, like a predominantly one foot jumper, cutting weight was humongous. That was, that was a really big thing. What is, how is your weight, like, where were you at at the beginning? Where are you at now? Um, so I was about like 180, what well, was like 185 or something? Like 184, 185 when I was in Mountain View? Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I was like 184, 185. And I cut down to around like 178 to like 180 um, throughout the fall. And now I'm at 161. So that is so light. Is it sustainable? Like, what's your plan after dunk camp? Are you going to increase your calories? What What's kind of your outlook moving forward? Um, yeah, no, it, it definitely is sustainable because I'm very strict, but I'm also not absurdly strict. So I'll still go out to eat with people or I'll have like, you know, something here and there that I enjoy. Um, that being said, yeah, I think it's definitely sustainable. Like if I was, if, if I wanted to really get cut up and get to like 155, I don't think that would be sustainable. Because I'd be eating like no carbs, uh, like only only grass fed. I got nothing. I don't know. Grass fed beef. <laughs> ridiculous, like grass fed salmon. Because obviously they don't. Grass fed pork. <laughs> everything. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it definitely makes a huge difference in uh, jumping. Obviously, fat doesn't fly, right? That's like the oldest saying in the book. But I don't even know how I survived jumping with like a twenty pound backpack on me, trying to jump and do tricks and stuff. That's very. Okay, so what is your when you you said you lost what like five pounds in the fall and then you got into you moved to Florida and then really really cut down. When did you like what was your approach to doing that? Like, did you count calories? Did you count macros? Did you track it all? Did you just follow general rules of thumb? What was your approach? Um, one of the biggest things for me was um, not necessarily counting macros because I have a general understanding of what is in most foods. Uh, but it was just eating less. Like I always have a problem with just going hard with everything, you know, just eating too much. Um, 
doing dunking too much, drinking too much coffee, everything. So just um, eating it more in moderation and by feel rather than just going out and eating a whole plate of food because I bought it, you know, just being, being okay with not eating as much. Um, it was just like basically eating less and eating just more aware, I, I guess is the best way to explain it. Um, I tried to keep it as simple as possible because if, if when I get super, uh, super specific, I definitely get uh, very anxious and stressed out. And I think it has counterproductive effects. Yeah, like obsessive over your intakes. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm only 155 grams today. Like I need to hit 163. Like no, it's not. I think, what were you gonna say? What does a day of eating look like? Um. Oh, my headphones. I'm gonna put on my headphones. Okay. Uh, yelling at Cole. Is Cole's yelling at you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put it. I put it in the in the chat. It sounded like he was in a storm. Uh, but, <laughs> like, I'm moving back and forth, like. All right, let's see. Connecting, I think. Mic check, mic check. I think one thing I'll add while you're doing that is I know that I had told you this a long time ago. I actually read this in, it was like a, a blog post on, I'm trying to remember exactly where I saw it. It was when Mike was mentoring me and he would post these like Twitter kind of like articles and he would just repost them all the time. But one that I remember that he put up was from this guy that like did a lot of body weight stuff you know, he was kind of the, one of the first people, this is like in 2014, he was like one of the early adopters of, you know, the, the bar bros or whatever, like the pull up stuff with reverse or uh, levers and stuff like that. And he would say, your goal should be to eat. Like if your head were a bowl, fill that bowl with vegetables. And that's your goal to eat in a day. And I was like, that's so many vegetables. Like I will literally throw up if I try to eat. Oh, that. <laughs> but you got a big uh, head. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but actually, I mean, for myself, like it kind of gives me a, a frame of reference in terms of my my intake. And I think a lot of people don't actually eat like vegetables, really like they mm. do. But it's not like not to that extent, you know, and I'll, I'll tell people like your goal should be minimum, bare minimum is to eat a bag of frozen vegetables a day. Like, <laughs> it's something that's like just check that box minimum. You know what I mean? And you're going to be like the steamable ones, you know, like you're going to be a better off in terms of weight loss one, because it's fiber. So you get full, you know, and then two, it's like you get good micronutrients with that, depending on like what you're eating. But generally I'll go with like peas or I'll do like cauliflower mixed with like the uh, carrots, corn and peas or something like that in it. So it, it gets kind of a variety, but I struggle with vegetables because I hate them. I freaking hate vegetables. So I use it as like part of my training to it's like literally a part of my day is eat my protein shake and then a bag of frozen vegetables. Cause it just, it curbs like how much carbohydrate intake I will take and then stops me from overeating. Um, I think is a, is a big part of it, but do you still do that or how, what's your vegetable intake like now? Yeah. That's the oldest advice you ever gave me was eat a bowl of vegetables the size of your head every day. Um, is the mic better by the way? This is better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I still eat a bowl of vegetables. Um, I've learned to like them throughout the years. But one of the earliest tricks I would do is I would make like a scramble type of thing. So I would do like a bunch of rice, um, frozen vegetables, and some kind of meat and cheese and sriracha, like fat-free cheese and stuff. It just mix it up. That way I can get all of them in. But now I like the, the idea of eating like fresh fruits. Or not fruits. I don't like fruit. Uh, fresh, uh, fresh vegetables. Like I look forward to it. So I'll just have like a bowl of like fresh vegetables and I'll pick up. You dip veggies. them in something or you just eat like nah, raw? Nah. Just raw, <laughs> raw carrots, raw celery, raw tomatoes. My brother calls me a rabbit because that's how I end the night. Um, just to, because I'm still hungry. I could eat so much that I need that extra, um, you know, the, that extra intake. I guess it's but, also easier to just like, like in terms of there's no food preparation. You probably yeah. literally just like, pop the carrots in your mouth or cauliflower or whatever. Like, you really just pull it out of the fridge and you're just like. <laughs> I, I can't eat cauliflower raw. I feel like it's like, you know, it's just, ter that's terrifying. I, I just, I don't know. It's just the idea of it is horrifying. I remember the the mixed vegetable bag used to be a, a go-to back, back in yeah. the day. I, I need to get back on that because I, my vegetable intake is really bad now. Do you eat vegetables, Isaiah, anymore? Not really. <laughs> Hey, at least he's off Huh? What do you weigh right now? Uh, 184. Okay, that's actually not. That's around what I weigh, I think, too. Yeah. I was I think, I don't, 
<laughs> I think I don't, because I, I still manage, like, I naturally, like, just don't overeat, I think, uh, in terms of calories, but the quality of the calories needs to improve. But I think I think the vegetables, because uh, I remember I used to just get the mixed bag of vegetables at Walmart, and then mm-hmm. just heat them up, and, yeah, like, eat, like, three of those bowls a day, and right. I don't, it's not, for me, it's not, like, a, it's a habit thing. It's not that I don't like vegetables, because I, I don't, I like vegetables. It's just that I get lazy. Like, I don't buy them at the store. I forget, too. Like, but I think that's an easy way to start. Well, I think we've all done, we've all done this, but what is everyone's uh, caloric expenditure like? And I guess to, I think we've all done this. We've all tracked our weight, like, week to week. Austin, I know you did, you've done this. I don't know if you've done it in a while. Isaiah, I know I saw you do it, and I recently did it, too. But we're all different weights. We're all different heights. We all have different genetic makeups. So this is kind of interesting, but, but we all do pretty similar training. So basically what you do is you track what you eat, everything you eat and get it as accurate as you possibly can and don't skimp on anything. So, you know, if it's alcohol intake, if it's coffee, if it's milk, if it's like liquid calories count, you know, candy, what, whatever you eat sauces, you add everything in. Sauces kill you. Yeah. Like ranch and, and all this other stuff. So you add everything in and then you basically see like, you know, to the best of your ability, get it as accurate as you can, track it for two weeks, and then you measure your weight on each Monday. Um, and then what you can do is you can basically calculate your expenditure because if you know you're changing weight and you can assume that it's muscle or fat or whatever, and we know that one pound of fat is 3,500 calories, you can basically uh, calculate, you know, what your daily expenditure is. And so basically I've done this, Isaiah's done it, Austin's done it. Mine is about 2,700 uh, is about my, for maintenance when I'm training on load management. I think when I train on the current setup I'm doing, when it's like a high low setup, I actually think it's closer to like 3,000, but that's, I don't know for sure because I haven't tracked it during that. I've only tracked during load management, but I know it's at least 2,700 and I I can kind of go by hunger as well. Like on days I lift, I'm so much hungrier when I lift heavy, like hard, heavy lifting versus just like even a jump session. Like I don't really get hungry on days where I jump. And especially when I'm off, I'm really not hungry. So I do prefer to like, I love eating. So I like to train every day, but that's where I am. Austin, where, what is your expenditure? Uh, like for maintenance? Um, so I'm still trying to figure out that out. Um, at the moment, like I'm still trying to figure out what works for me. Uh, just because I wasn't entirely honest when I was tracking back in the day, you know, I was leaving out a few drinks here and there, uh, and, and the, the drinks you get at, or the, the snacks you get after you drink, I was leaving those out too. Um, <laughs> but now it is, I keep my caloric intake between 1800 and 2200 calories. And that's what I'm noticing. Like I have enough energy to do my workouts. I have enough energy to do things. Um, and I'm losing weight as well. And I'll also like, I make sure I, I just fast all the time. I, I eat when I'm ready to eat rather than forcing myself to eat, which is something that a lot of people who follow strict diets end up doing is like, I have to eat at this time. Like right now, I just Dude, let my I, body. I actually really agree with that. Like I struggle with that so much when I'm tracking, I just become like, yeah. a and I'm like, I have to track, I have to like eat this much. It's like, dude, I just eat when I'm hungry. And I, I end up losing weight doing that because the training is so much volume. So it's like a, I call it a high flux diet. It's like you end up losing weight because you exercise so much and you eat like when you're hungry that it ends up being fine. And I mean, obviously I think all of us would agree like protein intake is kind of king for us. Like we Mm -hmm. always try to hit that baseline protein intake. I think for me, I'm around. So I didn't realize how much it was for me to take in 1.7 grams per kilogram, which is on the lower end of the recommendation for speed power athletes. It's 1.5 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. And if you're losing weight, you can go up as high as like three grams per kilogram. So I try to hit 1.7 and it's like 145. It's so much protein like it's like i have to eat like five eggs i have to eat like a freaking pound of ground beef a chicken breast and then like take a protein shake with like 40 grams of protein and i'll like barely hit it you know what i mean yeah um so i guess you know do you still i guess both of you guys do you guys both try to hit that protein intake is like the first goal and the biggest goal for you guys uh so i'm i'm trying to look up how much the gold standard do you guys know how much the gold standard uh has in the gold the protein, it should be like 24 right yeah, 24 for, for scoop so i i don't track my protein but i eat two scoops of that so 48 grams in my protein shake after every single workout uh breakfast 
I eat cereal with a ton of milk, like two bowls of cereal. So that's probably like, I don't know, 24 ounces of, of milk, I want to say. Okay, so that's like so that's, a lot of protein. <laughs> so how much, isn't it like eight grams? Per, it's like eight grams for eight flu, fluid ounces. So I think that's if you're eight, Yeah, so that's 96 grams of protein by, by like lunchtime, I think. Uh, lunchtime, I usually go out. Like, that's usually the, the one time I go out during the day and I'll eat, like, tacos or something like that, uh, which has meat in it. And then uh, for dinner, usually we make some kind of protein um, with dinner, like ground beef or, yeah, like yesterday was chicken Alfredo. So I had chicken. Pasta also contains protein. So I think, yeah, now, now like, looking at it, like, I think I get a lot of I, I haven't tracked it, so I don't know, but I think it's a lot. I think you're around the same as I am. I say like 140, 140. Austin, what are you at? How much do you take in today? I, I get a between 140 and 170 just because I keep my, uh, my carb carbohydrate intake really low. So I yeah. eat high protein, medium fat, and low carb, uh, depending on how much I exert that day. So I carb cycle kind of. Um, so if I'm doing upper body, I'll definitely eat more carbs that day. <clears throat> but I CJ told me this thing about um, – protein absorption and how you can only absorb to what 25 to 30 grams per hour or per one sit per one sitting yeah so i, I kind of follow that so i eat like my first meal is 30 grams and then i'll wait like two hours and then i'll have a protein shake that's 30 grams and then wait two hours and have another 30 and i'll have like five six meals a day of small protein um and that also helps with me like i have a terrible time trying to control my portions like you ask isaiah we go out to eat like i have to eat everything it's not even because i'm hungry it's just like there. Like, I don't know if it's from like being raised in poverty or so. I don't know what it is. But I'm like, I can't let these French fries go. Like I'll eat Isaiah's yeah. scraps too. Like I don't care. We know so, <laughs> when we, when we go to out to eat together, um, cause I mean, generally my diet isn't like super healthy. Like I eat, I eat out a lot and um, I'm like eating throughout the day and stuff like that, like constantly. Uh, but I just, I don't overeat. Like as soon as I get full, like I just I cannot eat anymore. And me and Austin noticed that. Like we would go out and I literally leave like half my food, like like uneaten. But then I'll, I'll take it home and like leftovers. And if I get hungry later in the day, I'll, I'll eat it. Yeah, that's I definitely agree with you, Austin. I tend to just eat everything in front of me, and I think it, it is like the poverty mindset of like eat everything that's on the plate. Yeah, you paid for it. You might as well. You gotta eat it. <laughs> I I will say growing up I always that was one thing my parents always like like I always had food and they always cooked for us and stuff and yeah so I don't, I don't know that it's not that like my mom like I had to like it was different with my mom um my mom wouldn't mind if I left food we just have leftovers or whatever but when I I moved in with my grandparents because they grew up during the like the great depression so we had leftovers like five times a week. We had smorgasbord Thursdays, which is everyone's leftovers from the week put on a table at once. And we had to finish them and stuff like that. So like I, for me, and I just see food and I have to eat it. Like I can't waste things. I have a lot of trouble with that. But that also does lead to gaining a lot of weight, especially if you're eating out and your meal is like 1500 calories. Then you're eating like a bodybuilder all day trying to I, get your protein numbers. I actually think like, like now I'm about to have a child and I've been thinking, thinking about this, but I, I think something that like a lot of parents do that I think is like messed up is like they force their kids to eat everything like on the table. Yeah. But like, I feel like as a kid, like you like auto-regulate, like you like, if you're full, like if you're hungry, you're going to eat, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's something that's kind of like messed up. I think being picky is like a different thing, but just forcing someone to eat a massive plate of food, like, uh, I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand like how many calories certain things are either like there's not a, like even for us you know what I mean until we track like until I tracked for the first time I didn't know how much protein stuff had and I consider myself to be pretty knowledgeable like about fitness related content including like sports performance and sports nutrition and so in, unless you track it you don't really know so a lot, I think a lot of parents like I don't I just don't know if they realize how many calories are in a lot of the things that they're giving their kids. And that's why like kids get fat because like their parents either don't have, don't teach them like portion control or they just tell them, yeah, you got to eat everything on your plate. Like you can't get up until you eat everything on your plate. And it's like, and then when the parent doesn't eat healthy, it compounds that. Right. Like yeah. if you're, if you're an adult and you're snacking all the time, you don't eat vegetables. Like you don't eat high quality protein, stuff like that. Like 
you're probably just setting that example, like for your kids, you know what I mean? If you're buying pop tarts out of, you know, ease. And I mean, everyone has the reasons, you know, sometimes it's, you don't have time to cook. You're working too much, whatever. That's how my mom was. She still managed to do a pretty good job, but it wasn't the highest nutritious nutrition value. And, um, so it's just like, if you're buying pop tarts for your kids and you're buying like sugary cereals and sugary oatmeal and all that stuff, like you're just setting the example for them. You're, you're just setting them up basically to, to gain weight and learn bad habits. You know what I mean? So I think that's also part of it. But one thing we never answered, Isaiah, what is your, so Austin, yours was 18 to 22. Yeah, it's a 22. <laughs> your actual expenditure is, mine was 26, 2700. Isaiah, what is your expenditure for maintenance? Um, so we, we tracked this when we were in Mountain View, like we averaged out um, a period of two weeks, I think it was, where I, where I didn't gain weight. And it averaged to 2,900 calories. And I'm looking back at like my, my fitness pal, and like day to day, it can it actually ranges a lot. I think depending on how hard of a workout like I had um, on that day, but on the low end, like it can be like 2,200 calories. And then some of some of these days, I'm eating like 3,300, 3,400 calories. That's um, insane. Yeah, <laughs> and then but yeah, it averages out to like 2,900 for maintenance. Okay. So well, wait, no, go ahead. Sorry. Let me say, say Austin. No, I was gonna say like we didn't we we kind of calculated what my um my intake was when I was like going out and drinking and doing everything with you guys because I was eating like 2,400 calories a day with protein and then we were drinking like you know five beers a couple whiskeys like whatever it was at the time and that's already like another two thousand. How many what? calories does a like a a beer have like a twelve ounce beer? It's like what two hundred three hundred? No, I don't think it depends what you get. But Modelo, I think, hold up. Modelo's there. Yeah, yeah. We have to check based on Modelo. There's only one beer for Isaiah. Yeah. It is Modelo. Modelo. I'm guessing it's 120 for a Modelo. One, 154 in a can of Modelo. Okay, okay. so, yeah, you, you have a few of those, plus it's like 20 carbs, um, plus any kind of mixed drinks or anything like that. You're look, If you have a mixed drink, like a Coke and rum, or, yeah, yeah. you're at, looking at like 200. You're so fat. Like a crazy night of drinking can be like a thousand calories just in alcohol and then you add in like eating like you like you go to like, then you add the munchies taco bell yeah it can go up, i think it can go up to like 1500 1600 like it's so bad dude one of the one of the guys that we used to coach who's like one of the ogs on the, on the program he literally was like from one of the first athletes we ever coached was jordan canary i don't know how you say his last name yeah you, you guys watch finals Henry yeah I think you guys watched the NBA finals at his house no, uh, NBA dunk contest NBA dunk contest yeah so Jordan's like a great guy but he went he moved to Chicago and I think he was like in Florida I don't know he just wasn't paying attention to what he was eating and stuff but he has since uh adopted this it's like a certain rule book I don't remember what it's called but it's like you don't drink alcohol you like work out twice a day they have to be outside it has to be 30 minutes whatever I've and, heard this. It's like a challenge thing. It's yeah, like a, yeah. He lost. He lost like, I want to say he lost like 15 to 20 pounds. Like he lost so much weight just by cutting alcohol out of his diet. Cause I mean, he was pretty much already working out. You know what I mean? It wasn't that serious. That wasn't a big change, but just cutting mm -hmm. alcohol out of his diet, like lost so much weight. Even myself, like I tracked my weight in, I think it was like mid April, just like took it, wrote it down or whatever and put it into macro factor. And which is an app I recommend for people that do want to track. I have a hard time tracking because I get obsessive about it. So I don't like it. But I think uh, I lost like 0.1 pounds every week or every day. I was losing like 0.1 pounds, 0.1 pounds, 0.1 pounds, like just progressively. That's just what I was doing when I was training hard. And uh, I, I again, I stopped consuming alcohol like I would basically. Yeah, I didn't drink anything. And that that made such a big difference in just my leanness you know what i mean my performance and and the thing like austin said like being a, the reason this is so important as a one foot jumper is like you don't see fat one foot jumpers like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen because like you'll either get hurt or you're not going to jump that high and i think both you and i can attest like when we're heavier it is so much harder on my knees and so much harder on just my body in general like i just can't i can't get off the ground are we all sober right now yeah i think so pretty much yeah. I actually, yeah. I actually drank for the first time in two months. No! Yeah, I, I have a story about this. I'll say off off air. I yeah. texted you, Austin, that night. Oh. I mean, occasionally, I, I, had, I think I've had a glass of wine, like one glass in the last so, like. 
but that's I it. I will say this was the last time I drank was like like mid March, which April May. It's been two months, like a little over two months, and I felt so bad. I didn't even drink that much. It was like it was like three or four drinks that I had. I remember and, this. <laughs> and I drank. No, no, this was this was literally this past weekend. Like, I had, like, three or four drinks. No, I just remember before you were like, I'm old now or something like that. <laughs> but I had I had three or four drinks, and then the next day, I just felt so bad. Like, I guess I just got used to, the like, not being sober and not drinking and stuff. And, like, I felt so bad, and I was like, holy cow, like, how do people do this, like, every single day? Like, and you get used to it, so you don't you don't notice how bad. It's like when people get used to not sleeping. Like, you just, eventually that becomes your new normal. But yeah, it had big effect. I don't like it. <laughs> All right, so we've we've pretty much summed up the nutrition talk. But <laughs> I did look at this. This is interesting. So Austin, you consume thirteen point six calories per pound. So let's say thirteen five, just for the sake of math. Isaiah, you weigh one ninety or one eighty four, right? So you consume fifteen point seven calories per pound, and then I weigh one eighty one. So I consume 2,700 divided by 181. I consume 14.9. So Isaiah has the highest. Austin's? What's that? How much was Austin's? 13.6 based on 2,200 calories. Yeah. So his, that's per pound. Um, so it's like, you know what I mean? And keep in mind, muscle and fat have different caloric expenditure rates. Like muscle, I think is like, I don't know what it is. It's maybe like. I want to say fat's like five calories per pound and muscle's like 10 calories per pound per day. That's per day. So, you know, that means Isaiah probably has more muscle mass, I guess, relative to us or his organs are more like your organs have a huge metabolic like effect. You know what I mean? Either that or Austin, maybe you're eating more than you think you are. Like you're taking more calories than you think you are. I'm I'm like very like, because I use my fitness pal for so long, I know what I'm taking in. I'm very careful and I keep all the meals like pretty metabolism is um, weird yeah. it could be training too like isaiah has the highest intensity training out of the three of us yeah mine's nothing <laughs> <laughs> i'm just alive i'm not really i'm not doing any i'm just isaiah has me on a, like i'm like darth vader isaiah has me on like the respirator like and then he puts me in a suit and he's like all right like time to go dunk kid you got this and i'm like oh. let's talk about this so in terms of training austin what yeah. Like, what are you doing right now? And Isaiah, I know you've been writing his training. So what, what is currently going on with your, with your training? Is it just knee health? Is that really it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think the biggest thing about my training is just prepping for dunk camp. So I need to get reps in, but I also can't take on a full training cycle. And a lot of my training is slow squats um, and just... Can you, wait, can you take us through your progression from... It was remember when you injured your knee really badly right before dunk camp last year. Like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, I would say that was like the the bottom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that haven't seen Austin's videos recently, he's like the last like three four months he's been like flying. Uh, so can you take us from what happened from what you remember, and I can I can fill in awesome stuff. Yeah. yeah training but from that that moment of getting hurt right before dunk camp uh, basically right now like what's what's happened yeah um so first things first is i was performing well in mountain view and getting like my ego get in the way i didn't talk about my injuries so i drove seven hours to la to dunk with billy got out of the car you know, my back was killing me and my knees were killing me. I still dunked anyways. And then two days later, because I was still in LA, I had another session with him, even though I felt terrible because I was so obsessed with doing well that I wasn't being smart. Like I was like, I have to get all these reps and I have to do this. I have to do that. Um, and that was July last year. So that was before dunk camp, right before. Yeah, yeah, right before. And then I came back and not telling everyone how I felt fully. Um, I went straight into plyos and hard training and then my knees were like crying for help, screaming. Uh, it was, it was awful. So we did a slow strength, very like meticulous stuff, Isaiah and I, right before dunk camp, just so I can get any jumps in. Like I didn't practice at all. I didn't jump. What else did we do? We just did slow squats and some elevated deadlifts, I think, and progressed me right before camp. Was that what we did? I don't even, I don't even, remember, I don't even think we did the deadlifts at that point. I think we did because you were, you were killing me. You were like attacking me. 
Like, you were, like, on me, bro. Yeah, it was really very, like, like you said, like, very meticulous. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think we, we literally said, like, the, like, expect. I, I mean, I say this a lot. <laughs> you say that all the time. I mean, you're like, expect, expect to suck. Expect yeah, to suck off. <laughs> yeah, something, something with Austin is... Uh, John uses this term a lot, redlining. I love using using the term. Austin redlines a lot, because um, he he got hurt right before right before dunk camp. Uh, his, I don't remember how bad the knee pain was. Probably like a seven or something like that out of ten. Uh, and then Austin has a lot of like little, like like he'll have like big sessions planned or maybe like an event or something like that that will happen um, like pretty regularly. So he's constantly redlining and. What I always tell him, because a lot of the battle with, like, injuries, like knee pain and stuff like that is just in your head. Like, it's like getting depressed about your knee pain. So what I tell Austin is, like, let's say he, he was just at a seven, like, two weeks ago and we did slow strength and he's feeling good. I literally tell him, expect to for your knee to hurt after the session. Like, expect that you're probably going to be able to jump. It's probably going to hurt a little bit during the session. After the session, it's going to hurt a shit ton. Don't, like, literally tell yourself that before and, like, you won't be depressed afterwards when when it happens because the reality of it is that you're not going to heal knee pain in three weeks uh four weeks right you you can do your best to manage it so that you can jump and that's best but that's like you're able to get through an entire session uh but it's kind of like it's just setting your your ego aside understanding that you can't do full-on jump training to jump your highest you're going to jump your highest by being as healthy as possible in that little time frame that you have uh so that's kind of where we were at right before down camp is you got hurt three weeks prior it was okay isos very light low quarter squats load up movements that he can load up which was i think partial range of motion deadlifts at the time so that he can get uh some intensity in there uh and yeah just survival mode that's what the training it's survival mode yeah, after that, um, I went back to Florida and I talked to Isaiah about my training because I was alone, um, pretty much trying to take care of my brain and I did not want to be doing nothing. So we did a load management cycle where I would hoop and like increase the intensity a little bit every week. And eventually that got my knee pain perfectly fine. Like I was good. And then I went to New Jersey. That was, uh, what, November, December when I went to Jersey? Wait, wait. Do you survive? It was dunk camp, survive, dunk camp, load management, Jersey. Is that what happened? No, no, it was dunkademics, injury, survive, dunk camp. I died again at dunk camp, survive, load management to, uh, hey, CJ, you look handsome today. Okay, um, load management um, to about November, December. And then I went to New Jersey, but they closed all the courts for COVID. So all I was doing was lifting. I was lifting extremely heavy. I was very strong at the time. I was cleaning a lot, but I was getting no jump volume. And I was heavy too. Like I, I was- Oh, I do remember. That's right. You went back to Jersey. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't and know. And then um, I came back and had a session with Dan Gross, Jordan Kilgannon, that's Travis, right. and Ovi. And I was not warm at all. So an issue I always had is I hate warming up. I warm up now. It is something I've learned to love and learned to enjoy and learned to do. But at the time, it was an ego thing because I was like, you know, if I can dunk in my socks, like, I'm a god. Like, who cares? Like, who? Um, so, yeah, I saw Obi start jumping off one. And I was like, how dare he try to best me? And I took off with no warm-up and tried to, like, windmill or something, and my knee exploded. So, from there... I will the- say a lot of the previous injuries happened from... Not very warm, like close to max effort, one foot jumps. That's when like it flares up. Yeah, I have a problem with it. It took time. I'm over it now. I'm a different person. I warm up. Um, oh, and then the next day I was doing a road trip with Jill and Kilgannon. Um, what did I say? Did I say some accidental innuendo? Innuendo? Okay. No, I was um, just laughing coffee. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the next day, I had a dunk, set, a dunk contest with Jordan Kilgannon, an impromptu dunk contest with my knee, ex- like, what, at, like an eight? <laughs> this period of time was crazy. You literally had a dunk session and the next day dunk contest. And 
Yeah, we were in survival mode. We were in pure survival mode at this point. That was awful. Yeah, um, what is it? I did uh, double ups, but did terribly. I hit Jordan, jumped over three people, hit all the people, missed the windmill off a handoff. All these dunks I can do pretty regularly, and I couldn't jump off one at all. <laughs> what was so funny about that is Tate Martell <laughs> was at this dunk contest. For those of you that don't know, Tate Martell is like one of the greatest high school quarterbacks of all time. Like literally his records that he set, I think it was like in like in California or, or maybe Vegas or something like Nevada. But the records he set were like insane. And he was basically supposed to be slated to be a prodigy. And he went to, I think, Georgia and then transferred to then like Miami or something like that. And I don't know what he's doing now. Maybe he's just doing workouts and stuff. But I see like Austin reposted Tate Martell on his story. And I was like, what? I was like, why is Tate Martell at this random ass dunk contest? In, in Georgia. In, was it in Georgia? Is that where it was? Yeah. In like Georgia. I was like, what is this? In Austin. He was posting Austin in his story. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was cool though, because I, I did a road trip with Jordan Kilgannon, which would have been 15 Austin year old Austin's moist dream. Um, so, like, I try to make that PG-13. I know it didn't. Sorry. in advance, young viewers. Um, yeah, but I, I did the trip with Jordan, and we talked about a bunch of stuff, and it was great. And I got back to Florida. The next week, I wanted to do a shoot with Golden Bear. So instead of rehabbing, we, we, we did the, you know, quick, quick, quick survival techniques and got me to the session with Golden Bear, which I also sucked at, by the way, uh, followed by the big UCF session, which I was a little bit better at. But more survival literally injured knee seven or eight and then a dunk like event session every other day like it was okay so at what point does this stop <laughs> oh my bad sorry uh you just have to tell me i'm just ranting out I, I don't know um, no, no, yeah, yeah. The, whole, the whole story okay so after that session at ucf i started taking it a little bit easier then i got on you know a little bit more strength work and it was totally fine. I was I was happy. This is about two months in. You know, I'm losing weight. I cut out alcohol. Like I was, you know, just doing all the little things with training. All the, you know, taking all the low hanging fruit. You know, hand speed drills, stretching a lot, doing all these things. Huh? When did you start changing your whole lifestyle and training better? So on the way uh, down to <laughs> right before the dunk contest with Jordan, it was like that week. But there was a bunch of other things I had to change as well. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to change so much at once that it was overwhelming. So then I had to do one thing at a time, changing my diet, changing my sleeping patterns, uh, my caffeine intake, my alcohol intake, all these things. It was one thing at a time. And that's around that period where I, I started. I question. Did you ever talk to Jordan about like habits, like habit formation and that type of thing? <sighs> not Not regularly. We talked more about like philosophy and spirituality and yep. things like that more so. <laughs> Because I, I had a big change in my mindset when I did a contest with uh, Jordan in Vegas and he like changed my perspective. I like, he, he yeah, we talked about like habit formation and like a, a big change in my training happened. But yeah, I, I was just curious. If you guys didn't have that contest, I don't think him and I would have been friends, honestly. Like I, we would always been acquaintances. Just, you just spoke highly of me and then we became friends. So oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I did speak yeah. highly of you during during that time yeah um but he he's very interesting to watch um no matter what he does no one's going to stop him from doing it he's going to eat all the healthiest snacks at the healthiest places and he's going to do exactly what he want and wants and what's best for him no matter what what got um, me so what got me uh was when you were just here and i was telling austin because I, I meditate every morning but Every single time I visit like friends like let's say I go to like Mountain View or Florida or uh, me and my wife will go take like a, a trip somewhere like a vacation somewhere I stop meditating because I get self-conscious about like meditating and stuff and mm -hmm. like make excuses for not having time and yeah. then something that changed my whole perspective and I've been super consistent ever since uh is Austin told me during that time with Jordan that he like woke up one day and Jordan was just in Austin's room like in the sunlight like just meditating <laughs> like oh yeah and Austin like walks in, and then Jordan didn't stop meditating. He just stayed there like with his eyes closed, like in the sun, like that. I I heard that, and I was like, whoa, he doesn't care. Like he just he, he, he just does what he needs to do. Like no matter he's what. He's so unfaulted. Like he doesn't like he does not care what anyone thinks. 
I was taking a shower and I think he was sleeping or something. And I come out and the blinds are open. It was at the hotel in Georgia and he's on this stool meditating. And I'm like trying to put my, my clothes on really quietly and all this stuff. He didn't care. Hmm? <laughs> What'd you say? I said, and he was completely naked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was butt naked, um, with candles lit. Yeah. <laughs> idea. It was awful. Uh, but yeah, even he came and stayed at my house and I think he was like meditating by the back door or something. <laughs> I don't know one morning, but he's, he's, a, he does not falter from his routine. It's shower and meditate, like shower and meditate, shower and meditate. Right. No matter what, where he's at, it doesn't How matter. How hours a day does this guy take? He may take a lot of showers because this man showers like the moment he wakes up and I feel weird about talking about this man's bathing habits on the TFP <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hygiene. Uh, he's very hygienic. Um, yeah, extremely hygienic guy. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So it, it sounds like you guys on bringing this all back. So basically oh, awesome. you have, you, you talk to Jordan, you form all these healthy habits, you come back, you do the golden bear session and you start more or less just kind of rehabbing back and building a lot of strength. Like, did you yeah. do sessions throughout that time as well? Uh, I think I, I think I took a week off or so, right? You were, yeah. So the initial period of time, cause the golden bear session was like the last kind of like crucible he had to go through. And then from there, it was like a week of like ISOs and slow strength. Um, mm -hmm. Then we moved to a load management schedule. And instead of going through very strict like drops, then standing box jumps and all that stuff, um, I told Austin you could play basketball, just don't dunk uh, while playing basketball. Like basically a level of like whatever will keep your knees like okay, which for most people it's a bad idea. Most people don't have the discipline to do it. Uh, but for Austin, he was playing and then he would do like, a dunk here and there on a fast break maybe would have hurt a little bit like he, i think his knee was, would be a little bit flared up after the sessions um uh, but not enough to where like the training has to get derailed was how many times a week were you doing that like monday thursday or was it just on saturdays yeah. or it was was it monday thursday i don't i, I, I don't been, like, call. saturday or something like that it was just, something weird because i talked to austin the other day and he said that you had him doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday was like slow quarter squats. Oh, wait, wait. That's, that's right Saturday. now. It was, it was, never mind. I, I said that wrong. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then basketball on Saturday once a week. That's why yeah, so, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to correct yeah. you, but then I was like, wait, yeah, yeah. Was, what was your logic? Because I mean, you've pretty much been doing that, right, Austin? Is that more or less what you've been doing for a while? Yeah. Just because any I, cycle it's important for me to, what'd you say? Have you had any cycle of like actual like training since? I don't know, the last three months? Like, have you done a, a cycle of, like, hard anything? I did three months? Yeah, he, I did I think one, he was, right? uh, at some point, because recently his knees started getting more, like, he started doing a lot more dunking. Uh, like, big dunk sessions, like, when I went to Florida and stuff like that. Uh, but I believe we had... I think it was, a, yeah, it was, like, a max strength cycle. I did, like, one max strength cycle without sprinting. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I threw two max strength cycles. And then right before the Dunkin' Dunk session, my knee flared up again. It was like the day, like the, the day before I could barely walk. And yeah, we had yeah, that. He's doing uh, mid-March is when he finally moved away from slow strength. So that was two months ago. Uh, and he was uh, deadlifting, hex bar jumps, barbell squats at 80%, doing clean pulls, two-step squats. So you were uh, actually training hard during that? Yeah, so that was, that was probably like a month of training oh then he did then he did uh the cycle yeah then it got more intense so he, he probably went through like three three strength cycles it looks like um and then recently like like probably in the last three weeks uh it was like back to slow strength yeah. i think i think all of us can attest to the fact that like and even for myself going through this East Bay progression and like having this as a, as a huge goal for myself, you know, and Isaiah with your back and over the last year and your TFL, Austin, your knee, the biggest thing is just like, stay healthy. Like I wrote down on my like notebook right here, you can see it, this will be reversed, but it says be able to train tomorrow. That's like literally the goal is to be able to train tomorrow. Like do not train so hard that you can't train the following day. And like, I always try to keep that in mind because I think all of us have a tendency to just want to like 
like you said, like redline, like we like pushing ourselves. It's fun to do that. But at the end of the day, and we, and I think all of us think we're indestructible until like, you know, the, the knee, the knee lords look at us and they're like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> like you yeah. can't push as hard yeah. as you can. You can't have two, three sessions a week without some consequence of, you know, to doing that. You can't have two hour sessions. Like you, mm-hmm. you're so, and you know, it, it, for me is a, is a good reminder anytime that, like I said, I go into a session and I want to do ply, like I have a tendency with myself of this bias of like knowing all the rules to want to break all the rules and be like, Oh, if I can just get as much specific volume in as possible, like I'm going to adapt, you know? And like, I think all of us have a tendency to just want to be like, Oh, I just like want to do everything. I want to do everything all in one day. Mm -hmm. You can't, like you can't do that. You know what I mean? So I think having a good, you know, person to write your training, to bounce ideas off of, to hold you accountable is like a really, really good thing. Like CJ, he's cooking, uh, yam pancakes behind me with protein oh, the, the thick ones the ones yeah. that are the size of like a, a random suburban diner in yes minnesota actually <laughs> i wish you could, i don't know if you could see the pancake is where is cj there's cj there's that giant pink slab it looks like a piece of ham on the on <laughs> your legs look great cj yeah anyways uh Yesterday I came out and I see this just giant wad of pink slime on on a plate and I was like, is that a piece of ham? <laughs> I thought you took a center cut of the ham, like point like, and just fucking protein, bro. It's protein intake. You gotta yeah, the like, protein. How is that? And then he's like, oh, it's a pancake. And I was like, okay. <laughs> anyways, um, enough about TJ's pancake. So yes, he is making that pancake. But he holds me accountable to like not over jump or like to do my isos. And I don't know. I, I think that that is one of the biggest roles of having a coach. You know what I mean? And as you get better in your athletic career, you know, it's it's more about like having someone to hold you accountable with a level of autonomy. Like Isaiah and his training, you know, the last two, three months, it was like he pretty much was just doing what he had to to get his back healthy. And I was like, you know what you have to do. Like I can tell you when you need me, ask like more or less like it's co-coaching the athlete has a certain goal and i think like or austin you're kind of you know getting to that point either you have been or you're getting to that point now where you have more or less an idea of what you need to do and then isaiah is there to say yes or no um but then if you need someone to like write a full training cycle you know i mean I, i obviously this past this past uh month wrote out isaiah's three week progression you know to Actually, I guess you can share this. You put it on your, yeah. on your YouTube, Isaiah. But yeah, yeah. I um. So basically, from I want to say like the beginning of the year, probably like January until a month ago, um, I was basically writing my own training and then using John as like consultation. Like I would like call John and be like, "Hey, how do you feel about like this and this and this?" And he'd give me advice, and I would kind of write my training. And then that was like working well, uh, got my back healthy. Uh, and then literally three, three weeks ago or something like that. I, don't, I actually don't remember how long ago I was like, John, do your magic. Like I'm, we're two months out from dunk camp. I'm healthy. T- like right, right. The training out. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of like Q and a too. Like it's very collaborative because I don't like the kind of like militant, like, athlete coaching relationships where you just tell them what to do and uh so i i pretty well try to work with the athlete to come to a middle ground where it's like we both agree that this is like the best thing you know what i mean and so i asked isaiah i was like okay you know what do you want to and and this is like really good for high level athletes like this is not something i would do with someone that isn't isaiah or isn't austin and has literally 10 plus years of, of jump training, you know, underneath their belt and has, you know, the level of vertical that they have. And so, you know, it's like you come to this, this middle ground where it's like, Hey, look, like this is your goal. We're, we're, you know, six weeks out or eight weeks out. You know, we have, we talked on Saturday. It was like, okay, you know, you, you have two options. You can either push for four weeks or whatever, and then do load management for two weeks, or you can do two, three week cycles where we progress intensity and drop on you. And it's like, let him decide, like, these are your two options. Both of these things will work. You know what I mean? And then he's like, okay, I'd rather do two, three week cycles, you know, where I just really get as strong as possible. And so the goal of this one was match your back squat, PR your deadlift, PR your, your power clean. That was really the ultimate goal. So 
I think today, no, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow he'll test his power clean. So we'll we'll see if you know the cycle the cycle worked. I think it I think it will. I'm pretty confident he's going to get minimum 290, probably 295. I don't know. If he's gonna... <laughs> 315. He might. I was gonna I was gonna go straight for 295 just because I was so close last time. Right. Um, although I have been liking your technique of just go for the five pound PR first. Five pound PR, build the confidence, then yeah. go for whatever you want to go. I like that method too. I think that that's I think it's cool. smart. Michael used to say that to me, my my mentor. He used to tell me he's like, just get get a PR, just get something underneath your belt so you can leave, you can walk away from the gym being happy with what you did, even if it's a one kilogram PR. And I've I've actually seen that. I almost like it like gives me an adrenaline rush almost. And like, there's an emotional aspect that it's like a rush of endorphins. When you get that period, you're like, Oh, thank God. That's I got what happened to me yesterday. Like I was, I got the five pound deadlift PR and I was like, wow, that moved easy. Like this is height. And then, and then I did a 15 pound jump and then like got that. Yep. And then, did the same, and then the same thing happened for the front squat, five pound PR went and then 15 pound jump went for the, the next PR. And I've seen You're a strong man. I've seen you do this a couple times where you'll go from like 365 and back squat to like 405. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what was yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with this method. I, I, I always have felt this way. Cause like, I only have a certain amount of energy in me that I just, I need to go straight for something heavy. Like I need to warm up a little bit and go for it. Otherwise it's not happening. I read this idea, but <laughs> <laughs> it generally does not work. I mean, it can really early on, but like when you get to those high levels where you're just trying to squeeze out every little bit of performance, it's like, Dude, be smart. Go with the small one, then then make the big jump. But without me there, someone else. Is I I want to uh, talk like before. I want to mention something about the previous injury topic uh, really quick. I think a lot of people, uh, specifically guys who aren't like as as experienced, or maybe guys that are looking for a jump, like your typical maybe high school athlete that's looking at TikTok, Instagram, looking to try to jump higher. Uh, there's this like misconception that like you can get to this nirvana of perfect health like like you can get to this nirvana of like perfect health and no injuries and once you get there then you can start doing like all the jump training like ad nauseum and just progress until like the rest of eternity um injuries are part of the process and the better you get as an athlete like the more you redline the more you're pushing your limits like like they're completely normal and you shouldn't like think down about someone's training or something like that just because uh, there there were injuries uh and also the role of just the psychology of like dunking like it's fun as shit it's addicting if it's healthy to do it just t like 15 max jumps a week but the reality is people are gonna push themselves they're gonna have the two hour sessions the three hour sessions and when you're doing that injuries are gonna be part of the process and no matter what coaches out there are telling you they're like I guarantee they're getting hurt like no matter what like there there's nobody that's perfectly healthy out there if they're telling you they're perfectly healthy it's probably a lie yeah people put a facade you know they put this like facade of like oh I never get hurt I'm always healthy I've never had an injury my whole life and I'm like dude that's bullshit like you wake up and you're just as sore as everyone else like what are oh, you're just you're just alleged like you're not a human <laughs> You're just uh, John doesn't have some nerves. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, injuries are a part of like pushing. Like that's a part of pushing. And everyone has a different, you know, like cost benefit analysis, like their risk assessment or their their comfort with risk. So what's called risk aversion, like how comfortable someone is with with risk. And if you're pushing, it is a higher risk activity. Like Technically, it's a high-risk activity for, for Isaiah to go for a power clean PR, like to hit 300 in a power clean. Like, that like would, we don't need to be doing that. Like, no, he doesn't. But, like, he wants to. Cool. I'm for it. I'm like, you want to hit 50? Like, you know, <laughs> 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 stronger. Um, I mean, it's like it's a part of it. So I think we're at a good place to stop. We're at 54-ish minutes, um, and I'm going to upload this. I have a faster system than I did yesterday. It took forever. But, Austin, you have a final comment. Um, we didn't finish talking about Dunk Camp and my progression to the training, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. So I just want to put this out here. So we're just going to keep me alive. <laughs> so Dunk Camp. <laughs> keep me moving. Um, and also – I was gonna say something, but I forgot. I was gonna say something about injuries, though. But I was I was being respectful and not 
But um, something I'm noticing with me, I keep getting like, as I, it seems like every session I'm PRing a little bit, like I'm jumping higher than I was every session, which is not something I've experienced before in some way or another. Like, um, and that is something that always leads to me uh, flaring up as well. And that's why I wanted to mention. And also how important it is to have a coach to get to know you. Like Isaiah knows when I'm exaggerating. John knows when I'm exaggerating. They know when I'm lying. They know when I don't like, you know, I'm withholding info and they need yeah. to change things. It, it makes so, it so much easier. Real quick, the, the expectation of uh, like progressing every session is something that was big with Austin is Austin expects to jump better than he did each week. Like he expects each week to be better than the week before. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you'll have a cycle, like maybe your knee pain is getting better each time you're progressing each session. But a lot of it is just being like, it's okay to have a bad day. That's normal. It's, it's normal to see decrease in performance throughout the training cycle before you, you see that big jump. Uh, yeah. yeah. That last session, I texted Isaiah and I texted John because I was trying to get myself to dunk more because I didn't dunk as well as I wanted. And Isaiah was like, literally go to the bathroom, pretend you're taking a dump and meditate. Like, do not dunk. And I was like, oh, he has to talk me off a ledge or John has to talk me off a ledge. Um, but I definitely think the biggest improvement in my dunk, like just my dunking as of late is actually putting my all into it as before I treated it more like, you know, yeah. And now it's, you know, I wake up, I do the things I need to, I try, I, I prioritize, yeah, I prioritize my sleep. I do the hand speed drills. I focus on technique. I watch the videos and I eat well. And it's actually about caring and, you know, taking on the challenge it's if i could sum it up in one sentence make training and dunking your lifestyle but separate yourself from the results of it yeah my depression i'm like isaiah my knee hurts again yeah. i don't know where i'm gonna end up tonight make it, i don't make, know where i'll be to the point where you, like that's just what you do but don't if you have a bad day if you get hurt just don't don't set your happiness to the results of, of dunking yeah definitely think like you know, being able to handle those ups and downs is a big part of like whether you'll be successful. Like, I'm probably gonna hit my first East Bay at like 28 or 29. <laughs> like, it just is tomorrow. Yeah, or tomorrow, or probably not gonna duck till, till a little while. But being able to just kind of surf through those ups and downs, you know what I mean? Handle the lows, handle the highs, and and like they said, like be good at separating yourself from it. Like, it's a it's your lifestyle. It's exciting. It's fun to think about, but being able to step away from that and, and I don't know, do other things like enjoy going and hanging out with going on a walk with my dog, getting Boba, like hanging out with my friends or, or doing whatever, but still keeping the goal, the goal, you know? And, and yeah. that to me, like how you make long-term, very slow improvement. It's just like, don't quit. It doesn't matter. You know, even if everything's necessarily perfect, you just do the best you can in that moment. You make the, you're always going to make the best decision you can as far as your training. So um yeah i think again like i said this is a good place to stop we're at 50 minutes so this is a this is a long one but you guys asked for a podcast so we're giving you podcasts um i don't have anything else isaiah do you want to send us off austin you guys have anything else uh no that's that's pretty much it oh do you have anything austin oh yeah read more meditate more watch less disney channel I was I was literally this morning I was setting like a like just a list of just things to do to make your life better and I put uh it was meditate, read, uh don't fap less <laughs> Wait, I can say it. It was supposed to say fap less read more because that's my quote. But I, I stopped myself because I thought it was PG thirteen. It's like fap less, read more. Like that's my lifestyle. Do that and you'll live. <laughs> oh, but fat less, um and less social media, and you, you'll be you'll be you'll be chilling. So we can uh, say fap. Yeah. Oh, I, sound like a I feel like if you can say drinking, I feel like you can talk about drinking. You can talk about the the normal body process of sex. It's it's. I always say this. It's about how you. Yeah, how it's dark. You could say you could say, hey, there's a pile of shit on your face. You could say, hey, there's some brown excrement on your nose. You might want to wipe that off. It's the same thing, just said two different ways. Wait, this is PG-13, we get one F word, technically, by law. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> I was going to close. Go ahead, Austin. No, I'm good. I'm a different <laughs> man. All right, all right. Oh, 
I'll, 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 I'll close it now. But um, low-key, I, I also wanted this to reach an hour. Like, it, it was going to bother me if we didn't reach the hour mark. How close are we to the hour? 34. It's a 101. 36. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll close it out. I'll take 30 seconds to close it out. <laughs> um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like the video. This helps push out the video to more people. It helps the algorithm. Leave a comment. Uh, me and John... I don't know about Austin. I think Austin just reads the comments. But me and John are uh, pretty good about uh, answering, like, most of the comments. So leave any questions, comments. Uh, if you found something funny, put the timestamp, whatever it is. Subscribe if you haven't to John's YouTube because he's putting all the podcasts on here. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, uh, leave a review, uh, five stars. Leave a comment. That helps out a lot. And tag us in your stories if you're listening to the podcast. That way we can share it. Uh, other than that, I think – oh, and go to thpstrength.com. If you want me and John to coach you personally to jump higher, and Austin, Austin is in the is in the group chats. Um, you can sign up for training only on the website. Uh, if you're interested in full service, which full service you get phone calls every month, personal group chat, uh, we adjust the training, which you don't get any of those things in training only. You can email Austin at austin at thpstrength.com or go to the full service uh, tab on the website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, no, um, just I want to stress the importance of actually having people to talk to uh, when it comes to your training. Um, it just, you know, being let out of the dark is a very liberating feeling with your, when you're being coached. So I just want to put that out there. A lot of things, like, you'd never guess that you need change with your coaching or, you know, anything like that. And you don't get that with, with training only. So yeah. check out full service. Uh, best coaching on the planet, guys. Uh, other than that, Stay tuned for the next video, and peace out. See you guys.